Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm joined this week by Matt in London and Gary in London. Welcome, guys. Matt, what was your football moment of this game week? Um, I mean, the I'm not going to mention the Chelsea, uh, sort of Chelsea, the uh, Man City game, uh, because that was that was amazing to see Man City get upset. But I'm going to go back to Man U as always, and uh, it was it was to be pleased to be slightly um, uh, sort of vindicated. In recent weeks, I've been saying, "Well, hang on, we're not that bad." I know the results are going against us, but actually, we're deserving to win. And so we actually did win a game that everyone else predicted we would lose. Uh, so I was quite pleased and to see all the uh, the pundits and match of the day and, and elsewhere sort of trying to uh, think of reasons to criticise Manu, but not quite been able to land the punches because we, we got a decent result. Well, it was a decent result. Was it a deserved result, do you think? Um, I think so. I mean, I think the stats sort of show that, oh, Leicester had possession, had more shots, but that's we were winning against what's quite a decent team. So you tend to sit back then. Um, and based, based on the highlights, I think we had the better chances. Um, and so, yeah, it was a good, good win. And it was good to see us actually keep a clean sheet. Um, so I think the defence looks quite strong. Now Maguire and Rambasaka in there and De Gea signing his new contract. Yeah, that's definitely good news. And I think uh, it was Ben saying on the WhatsApp group he should improve his form now. Or I think it was Andy, actually. Um, because the last time he signed a, a new deal, his form increased or something like that. That's yeah, he's a... Maybe he's a simple man, I think. He's, he got too distracted by thinking about contracts and where he might end up in the world. So now he can just focus on his football. Yeah, we'll see. Gary, what was your football moment of the week? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you two. Um, very briefly, I can't, I can't let um, the, the... The only football I saw live this week was uh, Sheffield Wednesday winning at Huddersfield. It's the, the fifth time I've been there as, an, as a Wednesday away fan. It's very rare you get to see us win. But I've... Uh, I've never seen us lose at Huddersfield. I've never even seen us concede a goal there. So, um, so that was fun. Uh, but now I'll give a my, my Premier League highlight of the week was uh, was the Norwich City game. Um, I think mainly because I think there was a bit of an orthodoxy that uh, a couple of seasons ago, uh, Rafa Benitez kind of got a lot of well, not a lot of success. He kind of managed to steal a win against City with kind of all out defence. And then you kind of open up in the last 20 minutes. And we've seen lots of teams replicating this. And it makes for very boring games of football. And it makes it kind of very easy for Manchester City, I think. Um, but this season, there seems to have been a change in tactics. Uh, we saw it with Bournemouth last week. And now Norwich with teams going, going on the attack against City. Uh, and even if Norwich perhaps got a tiny little bit of luck, uh, it seems like their XG was up about 2 uh, definitely over one and a half. So they, they created chances and they deserve to score some goals. And I, I'd like to see more teams. It was uh, incredible. How about you? What's What was your highlight of the week? Um, my highlight of the week, um, it was also the, the Norwich-Man City game. Um, but I think you've covered that pretty well. So um, my kind of backup highlight of the week was, seems a long time ago now, but um, when England were playing Kosovo, uh, one of their players, Wanderson, oh no, Bulgaria, sorry, one of their players, Wanderson, um, the common centre mentioned that uh, whilst the England game was playing that you need to go on YouTube the Wanderson goal celebration of him uh, kissing his partner in the stands after scoring a, a goal. Um, so I, I had to go and check it out and it is hilarious. He, he scores this goal, runs up into the stands, kisses his girlfriend and doesn't realise that the goal has been ruled off. 
<laughs> then the game restarts without him while he's still in the stands. He comes down and probably assumes that the goal stood and they just kicked off without him. He probably never even realised until the end of the game that we actually um, didn't get his goal. So yeah, one oh. of the worst goal celebrations ever. <laughs> Could only have been topped by the uh, the referee booking him for re-entering the pitch illegally after uh, <laughs> after it happened. <laughs> and going into the stands, yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder how I wonder how often his games are televised too to uh, to have to have that one moment recorded yeah. for posterity. Yeah, whenever his name is mentioned from now on, it's going to be that goal. Um, nice one. What about um, FPL moments of the week, Matt? What was your FPL moment? Um, so it's been a bit of a mixed week for me after the World Card. Um, it seems this week it's quite random. It's very difficult to predict which players are going to uh, do well, and so I've had. All my diff- different permutations of my wild card, uh, one of which had Abraham and Mount in it. So I was always thinking of what, what could have been. But overall, it's gone OK so far. We've got Halas still to play tonight. Um, but Puki and Mane um, have, have kept me in it. And so it's a, a decent-ish week for me and 42 points so far. Yeah, 42 and Halas still to play. You, you went for James over Mount. Is that right? Well, I went for James over Mount simply because of budget, um, as I did. I just didn't have that point three. Um, the one I'm ruining the most is uh, Luca Dean, who I I reworked my entire team, took out Mount and Abraham for to get Luca Dean instead of um, a, a cheap defender into my team, and he he rewarded me with zero points. So uh, not so good this week, but hopefully better in the long run. That's Luca Dean's way, isn't it? Sometimes it's seventeen points, sometimes it's a minus one. But yeah, I think across the season he'll he'll probably do right. That's it. So I've got like a three four three, and I went. I decided I had to get some decent defenders. So Otamendi, Dean, and Alexander Arnold all did nothing this week. But um, I'm hoping in the medium term that they'll uh, they'll will score some points. It does seem like the three four three is the the way to go this season. It seems to be the formation which people are doing well with, kind of back to the old school um, FPL kind of style. And the defenders aren't aren't getting those points. Like they were all predicted to in pre-season. Everyone went quite big at the back and it's just not working out, is it? Yeah, it's not coming through. I mean, the, the big prices for the Liverpool defenders and everyone thought, well, if they concede so few goals, it's still worth it. But um, it's just not quite working yet. Um, and strikers are sort of... Each club seems to have its striker that's going to score each week at the moment. So it's, uh, it's rich pickings. Yeah. Gary, what was your FPL moment of this game week? Well, I've had I've had a pretty rotten week. Um, no one got double figures, so my one one small consolation, one bright spot was um, Angus Gunn, who um, has kind of um, a bit of a punt from me at the start of the season because Southampton had three goalkeepers who was going to play, but um, I think he's quite highly rated, and I, I expected Southampton's defence to tighten up a bit under Hassan Hootel. And he rewarded me with his second clean sheet in three weeks at Sheffield United. A good nine points. So I'm pleased with him. And I, I was always a big fan of his dad, Brian Gunn, the old Norwich keeper as well. So um, it's good to see another son of a fo- football, son of a 90s footballer doing well. Son of a gun. I thought you were son of a gun pun there. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. And you've got, it seems you've got quite a few injuries um, and kind of players on the fringes in your team. Are you thinking about wildcarding? Maybe you've got Marshall, Moise Keane, Che Adams. I am. It's it's always um, you all 
card as long as possible, but I'm looking at it and I think my team's got too many, um, yeah, too many punts that I took um, uh, that, that haven't quite paid off. So it's time to, uh, in the world, so it's time to panic and hit the wild card button. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll cover that a little at the end, I guess, when we're doing transfers. But I'm, I'm open to suggestions if anyone has any good ideas. I think go go full Maverick. No one goes full Maverick. I think just go all 11 Maverick players. Okay. Well, Tielemans is captain then for the rest of the season. Well, we'll see. Um, well, yeah, I think I've been too Maverick, really. I've had Moise Keane leading my attack for the last three weeks and he doesn't have to play. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Okay. Um, my, my FBL moment of the week was... Uh, uh, yeah, it was based around that Norwich game. I I went all in. I, I set my team up. Um, I decided to play Pookie. Um, I left Campwell on my bench uh, as my first sub. And I captained Sterling, De Bruyne, vice-captain. I just looked at those injuries. And I I thought I you know made my decision. It was about, about 11.30. And I was like, okay, I'm fine. And then I looked at my clock and realized, Actually, my, my clock on my phone was wrong and I had about five minutes to play with. And that is a nightmare. It's like having a, a shot on goal and you've got all the time in the world. And I just started thinking and thinking about all those Norwich City injuries, the quotes from Daniel Farker coming out and saying, I have no defenders left. All I can do is attack. Um, and, you know, City scoring the most goals from open play, Norwich conceding the most goals from open play. I thought it was going to be a bloodbath. So I thought... No one else is talking about triple captaincy. So this could be, this could be my Kasparov move. So uh, number one chess player in the world, uh, Kasparov last season, he captained Hazard in FPL when no one else was thinking about it. And it was his, his move to make a, a big advantage on a, a move that no one else was thinking of. That was my thinking. Clearly, I'm not, not in the same league as Kasparov. And yeah, I did not see that coming. But I... Still enjoyed the game, even though I, it kind of washed away my chances of a really good FPL season. I still really enjoyed the game, and I, I wanted Norwich to win by the end. So, yeah, go Norwich. Checkmate for the season now. I lost you. <laughs> Definitely feels like that. I just, you know, last season we got to a point where um, there wasn't, it wasn't looking like there was going to be a double game week where you could play your triple captain by the end. And people were looking for those game weeks against lesser teams where they could put the captaincy um, on players. And it was kind of slim pickings towards the end of the season. So I had that in the back of my mind. I thought, you know, some of those easier games where you think, oh, this is 4-0 at a minimum, they come early in the season and you can kind of steal a march from people. But learn from my mistakes, people. Um, save it for the double game weeks, I think. For, for me, I just, I just think it's kind of, it's quite fun having the bench boost and the triple captain up your sleeve. It, it, it's more of a, like a, you kind of want to have, you want to be coming into the final like a computer game and you've got the rocket booster and you can only use it once. Um, so if it, it feels a little bit kind of to shoot, shoot your load too early and use it up at the start is a bit, yeah, it's just kind of keep, keep it, keep it stored for the, for later. Bit of a waste. I think I, I've, Flown more my luck with the triple captain. My first triple captain, I put on Alexis Sanchez in a double game week, and he got something like twenty-five points. Oh, I remember that painfully. Since then, it since then, I think I've got about you know, three points, 
two points, that kind of thing. So yeah, I've I've used up my luck with that chip. I think. I mean, you're right, Gary. In theory, it can only be worth it, well. It might just be worth two points, but I mean, if it was worth ten points, I'd be doing pretty well. You'd be pretty happy of that. But in, it just it just feels like it's worth so much more than that because you you just never know. It could be the massive haul in the double game week. Um, it very rarely is, but you just never know. And um, should we take a, a quick break? And when we come back, we're going to look at the upcoming fixtures. Uh, as flies. To wanton boys, we are for the gods. They kill us for the sport. I love them. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, game week six, and the the first match we're going to take a look at is Southampton versus Bournemouth. Um, late kickoff at eight pm on a Friday. Matt, what do you reckon to this one? Um. So, I mean, both teams won at the weekend, so they're, they're looking uh, quite chipper uh, and, and a bit buoyant. Uh, it's a difficult one. Is, it, is this a derby? South Coast derby? I don't know if they've got too much of a rivalry going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes it too feisty. They're not like sort of um, old, well, might be quite old rivals, but it's never been having a massive reputation. Um, but yeah, both teams look like fairly reasonable mid-table sides, so I could see this being like a, a score draw of sorts. Um, and for, for Bournemouth, those assets like Wilson, uh, he's he's lost value somehow, but like every week he's scored points, so he's actually looking like quite a decent striker. It's only the fact that there's just cheaper strikers that are going even more nuts that uh, many people are sort of jumping ship from him. Um, and so they start, and then Fraser got on the score sheet as well. So the, the Bournemouth assets that everyone's picking at the start of the season seem to be starting to uh, settle in now to the season and, and get some points. So they were sort of reconsidering potentially because the Bournemouth fixtures remain quite decent. And then as for Southampton, I mean, uh, I only have Vestergaard in mind as like a player I'd, I'd want in my team. Um, Why? But because he's, he's like the top scoring defender at the moment and, He's, he looks massive. He just looks like he's going to score those headers. I mean, he might only got one for the whole season, but he just looks like he might score more. Yeah, he, he didn't score a single goal last season. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced with him either. Well, anyway, um, Gineppo scored some decent goals, looking goals. But um, Southampton looked like they got a, a whitish defence um, with that that son of a gun at the back, uh, and. Yeah, as I say, Vestergaard's my maybe, maybe punty sort of pick. Although to call him punty when he's the top scoring defenders, maybe not, maybe pushing it just a bit. But uh, they they look like an all right uh, choice when the fixtures get really like a good run for them. Um, so yeah, interesting game. Interesting game. And, and which way do you see it going? Do you think Gary should play Garn and goal against Bournemouth, or do you think both teams are going to score? How do you think it's going to play out? It's, it's tough to say. Um, I reckon a score draw is probably the odds on. I don't think either side's got a massive advantage here. Uh, but easily you could see like the, whichever side scores first might just run away with it. Fair enough. Um, next up, it's Leicester versus Tottenham, the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday, and that's one for Gary. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is usually quite a close game, but just, just occasionally it turns into a complete goal fest. So I think Last season, Spurs won this game 5-4 at home. And a couple of years before that, as it was coming towards the end of the season, and Spurs won 6-1 at, at Leicester. Um, so it, it does have the... It, there's usually goals in it. 
and Tottenham usually score more of them. So I'd maybe back them for, uh, especially considering how well they played against Palace, um, back Spurs maybe to score a few here. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be looking at some of those kind of fantasy football favourites like Kane and Son and Ericsson, who have perhaps got lower ownership than they usually have. Um, because you've got you've got Son at just under five percent, you've got Ericsson at four percent. Um, so yeah, they, 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 they this could be a differential here. Um, and then Spurs have some quite tasty fixtures coming up after that. There's Southampton at home, Brighton away, Watford at home. So, so yeah, maybe it's time to invest in Spurs. What about Harry Kane? Um, you know, he hasn't really done it yet this season. We've got him in our, our joint team. Would you be recommending sticking with him or maybe moving on? Well, in, in that 6-1 game, he scored four goals. So, um, so Leicester, obviously, a team he likes. Um, so, yeah, I'd maybe... Maybe he's about to come good. I mean, he's banging a few goals in for England. And he's got three goals in five games, which is not a bad return. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say he usually takes a little bit of time to warm up. And then once the internationals start coming, that's when he usually hits his stride. So, yeah, I'd say Kane's, Kane's ready for, a, for a, a bit of an explosion. OK. And what about Son? Because he, he got two goals this week. That same kind of price, De Bruyne was benched. Is that somewhere you would be suggesting people to switch from De Bruyne or, or do you think maybe just wait and hold on and maybe it's a bit knee-jerk? Um, well, I think, I think I mean, Son's such a good player for them and he's, uh, he's, he's such a goal threat. Um, I, I think he's one of those that he's pretty reliable. So I'd, I'd, definitely be, I'd definitely be thinking about him on the fringes of the team. I wouldn't necessarily get rid of De Bruyne. Um, but yeah, he's definitely coming into my reckoning, and I may, I may be tempted to bring him in. As I say, with my wild card, I'll, it's always a case of who you're going to get rid of. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm definitely thinking about him. Yeah, there's always the Andy strategy of, of bringing them both in as well. So that's that's another option. Yeah, well, this might be a bit maverick. I'm I'm thinking of getting rid of my Liverpool players, so that might create a bit of money elsewhere. Even after what happened at the end of the last season when you got rid of your Liverpool players? Yeah, well, I never learn. Uh, <laughs> look at, looking at their fixtures, their fixtures that look... I, I, I thought they were going to get distracted by the Champions League last season. That never happened. But their fixtures do look pretty tough coming up. So my, my gamble is you could get a very balanced all-round team. Um, okay. Do it. But, Go for it, Gary. Go for it. Next up is uh, is Burnley Norwich, and that's one for me. Um, it's tricky with this Norwich team because part of the reason that I went all in on Man City against them is because of the injuries, but it was also because of how they played away to West Ham in the fixture before this. Um, I just thought they looked completely uh, lacklustre. They weren't the same team that you'd seen against Liverpool and um, against Chelsea and against Man City. They just didn't have the energy about them. So I wonder if this is a, quite a similar game. You're going to an established, um, tough Premier League team who are quite kind of savvy, quite physical. Um, and, you know, your young players like Cantwell might just be kind of barged and kicked and uh, they might try and kind of win ugly. So that's the only thing that gives me pause for thought. I think I'm still going to be playing um, 
even Cantwell and Puki for this fixture, just to kind of assume that they would continue their form and their kind of energy that they had for the Man City game. And it's definitely less enticing for them. There's less, there's going to be less kind of focus on them. Whereas, you know, the big boys coming to town, they really want to stamp their mark on it. But yeah, I think they're definitely worth playing for this one. Burnley is slightly worrying me because I have Pope in goal, as a lot of people do. Um, and they just keep conceding these kind of late goals um, and generally not keeping clean sheets. So that's a bit of a concern. I think their fixtures are, are pretty amazing, but I'm still yet to be completely convinced on them. Slightly worried that uh, Ashley Barnes's powers are dwindling. He didn't look very good. Wasn't very influential against uh, Brighton. Was taken off. Um, this Norwich defence, based on the injuries, you think he'd get a bit of joy, and he's at home as well. Um, so I think they, this Norwich defence might get tested a bit more because they do like to pass it around at the back, and I'd like to see them do that um, against Burnley, whether they can keep it up. So yeah, I'd say play your Norwich attackers, play Ashley Barnes if you got him or Chris Wood. Um, and that's probably where I'd stay for fancy wise. Yeah, I've got a, a working theory that maybe Norwich are going to be one of those sides that uh, get all their points at home this season. I think the only points they've got is with playing at home. They've lost every every away match so far. Um, so this this might be the tester to see if they just if they're going to do it at Carrow Road. I don't know. I just yeah, their, their transitions seem I... to be so good against Man City. So I, I thought maybe on the break they'd be quite effective. I mean, I, I completely agree with Matt. I think um, win this one. It, nothing nothing brings you, deflates you down from a rousing victory over Man City than uh, going to Burnley and getting the whatever kicked out of you. So I'd say, um, yeah, get back back the uh, back the Austrian back the Austrian in this one. I reckon Burnley to win. Okay, I like it. Um, Matt, what do you reckon to Everton Sheffield United? Well, Everton are, are having a, a, also a mixed start to the season where they looked brilliant one week and we were talking up with Charleston and Sigurdsson was firing in. And is Wobie going to be the new FPL asset? And then they, uh, they follow that up with like a very mediocre performance against Bournemouth um, where Calvert-Lewin's the one who scores the goal, uh, keeping Moise Keane out. Uh, so, but Richarlison got the assist. He did get the assist. So I guess he's, uh, he did score his, uh, his fantasy owners some points. Uh, but I think at home, definitely Everton got to be strong favourites for this one because I mean their their squad quality is is much higher than Sheffield United. So, uh, so players that try hard but maybe just lack a little bit of quality. Um, but they just seem a uh, yeah a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team Everton this season. You're just not quite sure it's going to turn up. So it'd be interesting. I, I'm certainly not transferring. I've got Dinu in at the moment. I'm not going to be transferring any more Everton players just for the moment uh, until I see some consistent form from them. Um, and as for Sheffield United, I mean, Lundstrom's the great make-weight, but I don't really want to play him most weeks. I think they're always going to concede maybe one goal. I don't think he's going to score too many goals, even if he's playing box-to-box midfield. So he's good for two points, but uh, I wouldn't want to be playing him too regularly um, if I can avoid it. What do you think about clean sheets in this game? Do you think there's a good chance for Everton of a clean sheet? Uh, possibly. I mean, Everton sort of, uh, sorry, Sheffield United might struggle to score goals, but they've got a decent, 
decent result against Chelsea, didn't they, playing away from home? So, um, by no means certain. Fair enough, yeah. Um, Gary, what do you reckon to Man City what? Um, well, we, we all got stung by City last week, but I feel um, this is where the backlash comes. I think City are going to be out to prove a point here. Um, and actually, Watford have got a terrible record against City. So City have won their last 11 games in a row against Watford. Um, it, it's slightly weird in that the, the, the games at, in Manchester are the ones where Watford managed to keep it a bit respectable. The, the last four visits have been 3-1, 3-1, 2-0, 2-0. Whereas the last four games, not uh, at home to City, there's been a 5-0, a 6-0 and a 6-0. So it, it tends to be um, it tends to be either obviously the FA Cup final, but also at, at Vicarage Road, they, they get absolutely smashed. But I, I, I wonder if City are going to put that right and going to put a healthy score past them, I reckon. Uh, it could be it could be a good one. So it's a I guess it's all the usuals. Uh, you've got your Sterling and your um, Agueros. Um, I've got to come into the thoughts for this. Um, the one last thing I would say though is, is the Champions League is kicking off now, isn't it? So um, can I have a look at who's playing for City in the Champions League? Um, they're playing on Wednesday in Donetsk. So Ooh. and then it backs up straight into a Saturday game. So the rotation is the only risk, really. And also after that Norwich game, do you think Pep's going to swing the, well, kind of cull from the defence maybe or rotate an attack? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. With, with Laporte getting that serious injury, I, I'm not sure what, quite how much he's going to do with the centre-backs. I think, I think he's going to have to stick with Stones and with Otamende. Um, they're both 5.4 million, so they're both a good price. Unless he fancies dropping Fernandinho back and, and making him into a centre-back. Um, so I'd, I'd, I am actually very tempted by those the City defence. I think, I think we saw with City last season that they, they lost a couple and it really stung them into a bit of a, a kind of a revenge. And then they were merciless on all the teams that they took on. So I'd, I'm looking at City and I'm looking at four home games in the next six, Watford, Wolves, Villa, Southampton. Um, and away at Crystal Palace and Everton in that time, uh, there must surely be clean sheets in that. They mu- I'm, there must be at least four clean sheets there for them. Yeah, and the other thing in defence that I was worrying about is Mendy has been reported to be kind of not if not match fit, then you know fit to play or at least start to feature. Do, do people who own Zinchenko need to worry? Do you think, or maybe just wait until that happens? Yeah, right. I mean, well, he'll definitely come into it. I, I think Zinchenko's, even if he becomes a first-choice player, he's not going to be one of those first-choice players like um, Sterling, who who plays like 90% of the games. He's going to be um, rotated around a bit. So, so yeah, that's um, that's one to watch. And it'd be amazing to have Mendy back if he can stay fit. So it's yeah, Mister Points per game, he's he's always there. If if he's if picked, he's a he's a good one to have. And um, next up, it's Newcastle versus Brighton, the late kickoff on the Saturday, and that's one for me. Um, oof, I mean, this is not a tantalising game. I think this has got one-one written all over it. Um, Fantasy-wise, I don't think this is somewhere that you want to be looking. I think. Um, 
potentially in terms of clean sheets, if you've got um, a Lewis Dunk or you've got a Newcastle defender, um, worth playing them. Um, especially if there's, you know, your Liverpool defenders are playing away to Chelsea and that kind of thing. Maybe it's worth dropping one of those. Um, if you've got doubled up on the Liverpool defence like I am. Um, but yeah, apart from that attacking wise, I don't think you should be really going with any of these players. I think the one that we were picking out at the start of the season was Trossard and that hasn't quite happened and now he's picked up an injury. So it's kind of, um, you know, Glenn Murray and that's just a, a bit dull and a bit um, old fashioned. Uh, smacks of FPL a couple of seasons ago. So Hey, yeah. that's my season pick you're, you're picking on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, if you guys want to jump in, do otherwise I think we just move on from this. Victor. I don't want to jump in, thanks. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt, I'm going to throw Palace versus Wolves at you. So, um, that, I mean, so it's on the Sunday. Uh, I don't know if it's the televised one, but it's probably because Wolves are in the uh, Europa League. So uh, that's going to have to start playing a factor, I think, in Wolves, who are, who are near the bottom of the league now um, and showing all the form that Burnley showed last season when they were also had to go to qualifying stages of the Europa League. So... Um, I reckon that could influence the score here again. So Palace at home, I reckon, might edge this. Uh, not because they're the better team, but because Wolves just might be starting to get a bit jaded and just can't can't focus on the next game. Um, and my theory is that sometimes the players aren't necessarily too tired, it's, but the manager doesn't have enough time to on the training pitch to uh, to set them up for the next next opponents because they're too busy flying back. Um, so. I reckon Palace might might scrape through. Maybe a Zaha falls over in the area. Milivojevic smashes it. Fair enough. Yeah, and I guess the one thing to say about Wolves is I think they're playing um they're playing at home in the Europa League, so it's not like a game where they're flying to Donetsk. They're playing at home against Braga, so maybe slightly less taxing than a long away trip, but still, yeah, still a game midweek. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, so if you think of their regime, then they were they were playing Thursday night, Friday presumably is a rest day for their players. Saturday maybe a light training session where they've got to learn how to beat Palace and travel down to the game. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, it's not. So would you be getting rid of your Wolves players? I know a lot of people have got Dendonka. Would you be saying to get rid of Jota and Dendonka and Jimenez and things like that? Um, well, I mean, it depends what you've got those Wolves players for. So, yeah, Jimenez and Jota, I think, I'd probably be getting rid of because there's so many good striking options at the moment. But Dendonka's a... I mean, presumably managers picked him because he was four and a half and he's going to earn you two points. He's still going to... Still cost four and a half million and he's still going to get you two points. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty true. And he might even pick you up a goal sometime. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, Gary, what do you reckon to West Ham, Man United? Um, so I think this is, this one's a tricky one to call. I, I think this has been a bit of a, this is, this has been a bit of an acid test for, for teams, like how they do it at West Ham is, is you, you see the real cream like Liverpool and, um, City tend to, um, bash the goals in, in this game, but then Man United lost at West Ham last year and the season before that they drew there. So, I think it'll be a tough one for Man United to get anything out of this game. I think perhaps West Ham will be up for it and maybe maybe might shade it or it, it could be another draw for Man United. Um, but either way, it doesn't leap out as one where you'd want to be captaining players or 
transferring players in for it. What about Haller? He was kind of flavour of the month. Would would you be playing him in this fixture, or maybe looking for other players? Um, so yeah, I, th- I mean, if you've got him, I'd I'd definitely think about putting him in for this one because um, Man United have got a few injuries at the back, and I I, I just I I think West Ham might just shade this one like a two one or a one nil or something. So. Um, I, I guess the other player who's been quite quiet so far this season is Felipe Anderson, but he's one of those players who might um, suddenly start to come good. Um, plus, they're playing Villa tonight, so we're recording it before the West Ham's game at Villa. But um, yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, West Ham have got some really interesting attacking midfielders. Um, but um, with, yeah, with this game against Man United, it's probably not the one where you'd, you'd transfer them in. But if you've already got them, by all means, play them. Yeah, fair enough. Um, next up, it's Arsenal, Aston Villa. And this is one for me. Um, I think watching the, the Watford-Arsenal game, it just made it, it just brought it home to me. You know, I was watching that game. I was thinking, oh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is looking good attacking-wise, picking up an assist. And then Kalasnach is picking up an assist as well. Maybe they're... You know, maybe not especially maybe they're a serious option, but you know, the second half just completely flipped it on its head. Arsenal looked all over the place um, defensively. Uh, Watford had the most shots they've had in a Premier League game, something like that. Um, and Arsenal just looked bizarrely terrified of a fairly a seriously mediocre Watford team. Um, I don't know really what happened to him at all, but it's been happening for a long time now. So uh, up until that point, I was thinking maybe they're working during those pullbacks, but then for both of them, the leaky defence, however attacking they are, they're likely to concede. And both of them have players who are probably more likely to be first-teamers coming back from injury. Bellerin's going to be back at some point, and Tierney is back in training and apparently is um, taking no prisoners in training being pretty physical. So sounds like he's up for taking the, the left-back spot away from Klasenac. So at least some rotation there. Um, and it just, yeah, this whole fixture against Watford just made me think Bamiyang is the only Arsenal option that I would consider. And maybe he is worth considering at the moment because uh, however bad Arsenal are defensively, attacking-wise, they're pretty good. And their fixtures are looking lovely. Uh, they're right up the top of the season ticker. Um, Aston Villa, they do very well against promoted teams at home, Arsenal, uh, historically. And I can see Aubameyang now playing up front because Lacazette has an injury. He's going to be sitting out for a little while. Um, I think it was something till, till late October, something like that. He's been playing through the pain, playing through injury, and he's, he's now going to have a stint on the sidelines. So Aubameyang's not going to be on the wing anymore. He's going to be up front where he causes a lot of problems and you know, picks up goals without even needing too many shots on target. So, yeah, I think the only option I would say for Arsenal is Aubameyang, and he is worth considering with the fixtures. Um, for Aston Villa, I just I just don't think the, the Villa options are worth it. I know there's McGinn, and he's cheap and picks up goals, but I just think, I just think, you know, leave him a season and... I just don't think it's worth picking up uh, a promoted team who haven't really shown it yet. They're not amazing going forward. And, yeah, I'm just not with the McGinn train, to be honest. 
Um, I don't really see any other options for Villa that I would go for. I know um, Gilbert, their right back, has been picked out as quite attacking, um, especially by fantasy football scout, but I wouldn't even be sure that he's definitely going to start and until he starts getting returns. Uh, I, I'm not even sure I consider him. So, yeah, Aubameyang is the only player I'd pick out with this fixture, really. Um, next up, it's Chelsea versus Liverpool, and that's one for Matt. Well, my final question is before then is, is Pepe going to come good or not? Because everyone's been talking him up. And... Yeah, I mean, I don't think you need to worry about it FPL-wise. I think you can wait till he does come good before bringing him into your team. It's not, he's not, I don't think it's the kind of player where you have to bring him on your wild card because the fixtures are good and he's looked good and his stats are good. Um, you know, I think something like most touches in the box, most passes in the box, something like that. Um, most dribbles completed for Arsenal, that kind of thing. But I don't think you need to bring him ahead of time. Just wait for the goals to come if they're going to come and then consider him. But at that price, you're going to expect that Son and De Bruyne are not performing. I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't worry about it, I think, FPL-wise. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, so... And back to that Chelsea-Liverpool fixture. Chelsea-Liverpool fixture. So this is the tasty uh, big six fixture of this weekend. And uh, uh, both that have played Champions League, so there's no particular advantage there for one side or the other. Um and it, it'll be the big test, I guess, for Mount and Abraham now that they're starting to, to get a bit of form together. Can they do it against the big boys of Liverpool? Um, and it's a really intriguing one, to be honest, because I, I just don't quite know. I mean, I, I think, sneaking sneaking position, that Liverpool will have that uh, sort of nous to be able to park the bus a bit, uh, keep it tidy at the back, and uh, with Van Dijk maybe uh, yeah, keeping, the, keeping the score low and holding Abraham at bay. And then they'll just be able to pick pick a goal off or two on the on the counter with their their fab fab three up front. But um, yeah, Chelsea is still that unknown quantity at the moment. They seem to capable of scoring lots of goals, but also just capable of not get, not getting the results. So uh, it, it's intriguing. I mean, it's, it's also reminded me of why I didn't put Abraham and Mount in my team initially because I thought I'll oh, give them two fixtures. They look quite difficult, uh, and then I'll put them in. Um, so they've already already got loads of points already. So that it's hurt me hurt me there. But but maybe this will be the uh, the one where either they they really explode and they, they're sort of the must haves for the season, or maybe they just temper that a bit and uh, you realise that there's just so many different players you can pick. And one week you'll be in luck, and the other week it'll be someone else's players that'll be uh, getting the points and you'll be shooting down the rankings. When uh, when you're talking about um, Tammy Abraham. And saying and the Chelsea attack, and you're not sure how they're going to do it against Liverpool. I can kind of see what you're saying because I think I picked this up before, and it feels weird to say it now, following on from the hat trick. But he scored against Norwich, Sheffield United, and a Wolves team that have looked, as you've been saying in the preview, a bit all over the place with the Europa League. He's yet to do against a bigger team or, or even a more kind of established Premier League team um, that doesn't have the Europa League. So, yeah, I think. I agree with you. This is a bit of a, a test, but they've they've definitely been given a chance to get into form before those fixtures, but uh, before this Liverpool fixture. But then after that, the fixtures are so good um, until kind of game week sixteen that you don't really have to worry about it too much. Maybe. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm, in some ways, the good thing is I've got. I feel like I've got one fixtures to wait and see, 
because I, I might be saving my transfer this this week anyway to allow me to uh, transfer in these Abraham and Mount um, figures because I don't think the price rise have been that massive for them this week simply because they've got Liverpool at the weekend. Um, so it's it's a good one to, if you don't have them in already just to sort of uh, to scout them out. If you do have them, then I'd I'd keep play, I'd keep playing them because they're getting points every week at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. Um, next up, it's it's whipping boys. Um, Gary, I'm going to come to you first. Who are your whipping boys for game week six? Yeah, he's gone quiet on the matter. What about <laughs> you, man? <laughs> um, so I think that Gary would have said uh, Watford uh, are going to be the whipping boys based on his prediction and uh, how. Uh, Man City, I think the last time they played was the FA Cup final and they absolutely tonked them. So uh, I think it's Man City might be whipping uh, Watford. Yeah, I think the factor that they're trying to bounce back from a defeat um, is helpful. But they've got that tough game. They've got a way to Donetsk in the Champions League before that game. So it's, it's not, I don't think it's completely a given. And Watford might be encouraged and they've got the new manager. You know, they've just got a draw against uh, the mighty Arsenal. So I don't know. There is some competition, I'd say, with Aston Villa away to Arsenal for whipping boy status. But um, between the can, two of them, I think I'd go with, go with City. Gary, what were you going to say? Can you hear me now? I was screaming out Watford at you, but it wasn't <laughs> coming through. So <laughs> Watford <laughs> are on some my whipping okay. boys. Okay, well, then we're all in agreement. Watford are our whipping boys. Um, yeah, so despite Man City faltering, we're, we're saying back from this week. What about clean sheets? Gary, who's your first clean sheet for game week six? Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Man City as well here. I, I think it's it's a bit of an anomaly that they've, they've not kept any clean sheets so far, but I think it's, uh, it's time for their... Well, I guess they got two out of five so far, so it's time for their third clean sheet of the season. Okay. Matt, what about you? So... I, I honestly don't think there's too many other clean sheets out there. Uh, the, the the way the season seems to be going, there's not many clean sheets anyway. Um, but if you look at who's playing, yeah, all, all the fixtures, either they look well matched up or where you think they might be whipping them, like an Arsenal, Aston Villa, there's no way I'm predicting Arsenal to keep a clean sheet. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the only fixture where... Um... I see potential for clean sheets um, on both teams is Newcastle, Brighton. And I think both of them aren't brilliant going forward and both of them have got, you know, stodgy, decent defenders um, and centre-backs galore. So maybe that's the fixture where I'd say um, it would be worth investing in defence. But yeah, I agree. Maybe this is the time to ship out, ship out your defenders and your double Liverpool defences and, and get in uh, your Tammy Abrahams instead. Um, so fair enough. That, that's our lowest prediction of clean sheets ever with one team. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, rec- I reckon there's one more clean sheet in there. Don't don't forget that Burnley are, are going to kick the uh, kick the kick out everything out of Norwich and uh, gonna gonna knock them down, burst their bubble. Like, what better team to burst their bubble than Burnley? Okay, fair enough. But I I think we're shooting shooting for win. Um, so yeah. We'll go with the two teams, but still pretty low. Um, we'll take a take a break, and then we'll come back and have a look at the our uh, fancy football fanatics league and how things are getting on there.
Okay, we're back and, and we're having a look at the FBL Fanatics Podcast League. Um, and we have a new leader. So he went into second last week uh, with a big score. But now Kevin Miles is number one. He's taken John Hartepay as uh, first place. And do you know why he's taken his place, guys? Because he had the same thought as me, um, Kasparov, chess fan. And he's triple captain, a Man City player. He just so happened to triple captain the Man City player who actually scored. So he's triple captain Aguero, um, and he's taken him to the first in, in the biggest FPL league <laughs> there is out there um, in terms of quality, not in terms of players. Um, so he's done really well there. He's also got a player which I think pretty much no one else has um, in the FPL community is Toby Alderweireld, uh, who got an assist uh, and a clean sheet um, with 10 points. That's really kind of nice differential. Uh, stuck with Robertson, who's got an assist, and of course, Son and Puki and Mount as well. So, amazing work from him, as well as Salah in nine points. So, 85 points for him in the top of the league. So, congratulations to Kevin Miles. Um, any, anything else you guys want to pick up from uh, the Fanatics League? Well, I'll just say that um, the old, old old manager used to get close to the Champions League, David Moyes, is, uh, is coming up in fourth place. So, he's got the final Champions League spot at the moment. Uh, yeah, he's, he's. I mean, it's not a step down from Man United. It's a slight step down, but he's doing well. He's he's playing in our league and he's an FPL manager now rather than a real manager. Yeah, following up that stint at Real Sociedad, he's now uh, now found his level and thinking, uh, yeah, I'll take on, I'll take on the fantasy football fanatics at, at FPL and see how I do. <laughs> Gary, do you have any? I'd like to give a couple of shout outs. Um, so first uh, to our pod friend Andy, who who sadly couldn't be with us this week, but um, we've now got so many people in the league that Andy's on the second page, which is uh, which is good to see. So come on, Andy, sort it out. Uh, and no doubt I'll be joining him there on the second page soon. The way it's going for me, but I'm I'm clinging in there in the thirties. Um, and I also I was also interested. We always look at the team who has the most points. So I thought let's look at the team who had the least. Um, and there was three that had 29 points. Um, but I, I, I thought the most painful one would be a guy who's actually doing pretty well, Joseph Sparrow, who's up there in um, 26th. We only got 29 points. Timu Puki on the bench lost, lost 12 points there. That's, that's tough. Um, but I am doing him a disservice because he's still got McGinn to play today. So maybe McGinn will, uh, will save his game week. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the feature of, of picking out the low scores as well, as well, seeing what we can learn from those guys. Um, yeah, and also 27th place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we've also got another mention. Um, we've um, Our Hive Mind team, which we're going to come to next, is, uh, has been entered by uh, FPL Gaz, um, found us on Twitter, and has offered us to enter a Hive Mind team league league of a league of teams who are managed by groups and we are top i mean at the moment there are only four teams in the league but the fanatics team uh, is up there at the moment almost 20 points ahead of 20 or 15 points ahead of the next best team and there's a machine learning team in there at the moment so we're up against the machines and um, so thanks to fbl gaz for for getting us involved with that um matt do you want to Give us an update on how we're doing with our Hive Mind team. Yes, the Hive Mind teams uh, is still looking fairly solid. Um, although it's the more and more looking at each week, it looks like the sort of team. If I if I 
had full reign on it myself. I might be clicking that wild card fairly soon. But um, we've got double How- du- double Liverpool defence. We've got Zinchenko, um, who could get dropped anytime soon. But we have Gunn giving us some points this week. We've got Mane, 15 points. Turned out to be a really good pick. Um, and Kane just ticking over, but not maybe quite justifying his price tag at 11 million. Um, but of course, we've got the vital pookie to uh, make sure that we uh, we stay reasonable. 55 points this week. That's that's not bad in a low scoring week, is it? Yeah, it's pretty decent. It's it's uh, it's able to tick along most weeks at the moment. Um, unfortunately, we put Sterling captain rather than Mane. Otherwise, we'd be uh, it'd be shooting up there. And and we have to shout out Gary for his because he picked our goalkeepers and he's gone for a, quite a differential maverick rotation of. Angus Gunn and Geiter from Palace, and it's really working out for us, isn't it? Yeah, the, the uh, we, we've spent extra on our goalkeepers, haven't we, this season? Uh, so far, it's justified. Uh, it's working out really well. Um, it's just that uh, our transfers don't seem to be working very well. I think since the season's begun, we've put in Ceballos, uh, who's who's done nothing. Well, Puki, Puki's done stuff. Um, and uh, I think we put Barnes in, but only last week, so he's not scored us any points yet. We put Cantwell in also last week, and then we put him on our bench, so he's he's also not quite got us the the, the points just yet. But we put a really good team at the start, and we're just slowly ruining it. Uh, so where do we go from here? Are you in charge of transfers this week? So I'm in charge of transfers this week, but um, I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, the one that's that's picked that looks stands out for me at the moment as I'm not very happy of Ceballos, um, but I'm not sure if I can really afford. I don't really want to go down for that that level of price tag player, so I'm not sure if I want to pick him again just yet, or or Robinson, or uh, we've already got Cantwell. So I was thinking of maybe saving the transfer for a double double next week. But um, welcome your thoughts. I like the fact that. With, uh, with us kind of managing this team together, like you said, if we were doing it on our own, we would have wildcarded before this. But it kind of it kind of levels out all of our knee-jerk kind of reactions to stuff. Everyone always has an opposite opinion to someone else. So I quite like how calm it is managing a, a team as a group. It's quite nice. Yeah, yes. It's a, it's a very balanced team in some ways. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no sort of maverick picks out there. Gary, give us a maverick pick. <laughs> I'm wondering, get maybe get rid of um, get rid of these two. We've got two Liverpool defenders, and just kind of coming back to my point, I just worry that Liverpool have got some tough games these next. I'm not saying get rid of Liverpool for the whole season, but for the next six weeks, that's a lot of money to be tied up on uh, two Liverpool defenders. Um, I mean, if if you wanted a maverick one to um, to, to to take. Uh, the place of um, Ceballos, then uh, what about Gineppo at Southampton? I reckon he could be uh, he could be on for something. Although I just looked, just clicked on his fixtures. After Bournemouth at home, his fixtures aren't looking particularly tasty. Uh, but if, if it's a one-off punt, then uh, I reckon Gineppo's got some goals in him. Do you know who I like? Um, if you're talking about replacing one of the Liverpool defenders, and I'm assuming it'll be Van Dijk rather than Trent, I quite like the idea of. Um, of Tomori, 4.5 from Chelsea, because Lampard's comments saying that he thought they were conceding too much, was keen on a back three. Whether that's going to be the case, because that was just against Wolves and they play a back three and he wanted to match that, 
maybe that's something for the long term but 4.5 um yeah and came in with a goal i don't think you're going to expect goals like that every week from him but you know it's a it's one of the big teams he's going to play maybe he could rotate with um another cheap defender for us but maybe we even play three at the back and he sits on the bench for a little while i think that's a great shout i just don't reckon it's the shout for this week because it's chelsea at home to liverpool um and so, <laughs> yeah. so I, I, I'm still of the view, and it, it is my pick, that maybe this is the week to save the transfer so we can do a big... I think we need to start piling some more money into our midfield. I think our midfield is uh, just a touch lightweight because um, we can... So, it, so it's Camore for Alexander-Arnold next week, is it? And we've got... Uh, that would give us eight and a half million to splurge. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I, think, I think I agree with you, Matt, but I think... Um, I think we maybe upgrade um, Ceballos by getting rid of Van Dijk next week. It's so a Van Dijk down to Tamori. We'll see how it goes. This a couple week. of million, yeah. That gives us a, a Madison or, well, we Mount to be going up that price tag maybe. Uh, but what, what about this week? So I would suggest this week that we controversially bench Ceballos for Cantwell. Going Ooh. against Gary's um, shout that Burnley are going to teach Norwich a lesson. Well, you're the Arsenal fan. I mean, how is Ceballos playing? Is he is he looking good or is it just... Uh, he he has it... so far fulfilled my prediction that he is Santi Cazorla without the penalties. And he's even without the set pieces now because Jacko or Ozil or um, any other player who can take set pieces for us, he loses that as well. And his minutes are not. Oh, he's home. Really he's home to Villa. Uh, he's I home just, to Villa. You've got to go with him. I just don't see him as a goal threat, though, or or even you know assured of the minutes because he was taken off against Watford. I think unrightly so. I think that was a mistake from the manager, but he's clearly not fully trusted yet. And I think Cantwell is much more uh, attacking, much more consistent this season, and in better form. Who would you drop for Ceballos, Gary? I mean, could we could we play both of them? Could we drop Dunk or, or one of the Liverpool defenders at Chelsea? I I would drop Van Dijk. Hmm. It seems. Yeah, I've got Chelsea. I think Chelsea are going to score in that game. I think I think it's a bit risky, but maybe drop Van Dijk. Because we, do we think Dunk's a better pick at Newcastle away then? I I, I, I think that's the kind of. That's the kind of game where you might get nine points. Like if they keep a clean sheet, it'll be Dunk winning all the headers with Joe Linton. He got eleven at Watford. He's more. I'd say he's more likely of a clean sheet than Van Dijk is at Chelsea. All right, let's go for that then. Uh, so three at the back: Alexander Arnold, Zinchenko, and Dunk. And then uh, we get the mighty Ceballos. I think he's in his last stint. He's got one last week to impress against Villa at home. Otherwise, he's uh, he's on the chopping block. What about captaincy? Well, that's an int- intriguing one. So, uh, we've all said uh, that Man City uh, will spank uh, Watford. So, we do have Sterling and Zinchenko as options there. The other ones to consider, I guess, is we've still got Kane and 11 million. You want to be considering him for captaincy most weeks. And Mane... Uh, who's uh is on great form as well so i mean my initial reaction is is just keep it on sterling uh he might might have only got two points this week but 
he's he's a sort of player that most weeks he's going to get get a horn. And you'd expect maybe less people to be captaining Sterling this week coming, based on how he's done in the last two fixtures. So maybe you have more chance of getting higher ranking if he does return. Yeah, potentially. I think it's one of those where you just got to be patient with your premium assets sometimes because uh, they're not going to score every week. But if you keep trying to flip flop, then you're going to always be chasing those points. That's probably the case with Kane as well for us as well because it doesn't look like we're going to be getting rid of him anytime soon with. Uh, other players to deal with but he's got Southampton and Watford coming up in the next four at home um, so yeah maybe we stick keep with him for for the moment I want one last thing to add I mean, Sterling got a hat-trick at home to Watford last season in a 3-1 win so that's I'm I'm going to go with him for captain for my team so um, I'd, I'd, I'd put it on Sterling perfect okay. what about uh, this is a bit Bit redundant, but what about uh, goalkeepers? I think come to Gary for the who, which goalkeeper we're going to pick. Is it Gunn at home to Bournemouth or Geiter at home to Wolves? Mm, that's an interesting one. Um, I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to go for Geiter actually. I, I think Palace are pretty. They they don't win many at home, but they they keep it very tight, don't they? So uh, I could see the Southampton Bournemouth being more of an open game, more of a two-two. You happy yeah. with that, Matt? I'm happy with that, I think. Um, I mean, my, my prediction earlier that Wolves look a, a little lacklustre and then uh, Roy Hodgson with his, his banks of four, uh, I reckon will keep him to long-range shots to get those safe points up and then maybe in the clean sheet to follow that too. Nice one. Okay, shall we um, take a quick break and, and when we come back, it's over to Gary for gut punts. Now the fans are shouting every week, Louis Vagal's army! <laughs> Louis Vagal's army! So also the fans are very satisfied with Louis Vagal. Okay, Gary, how are our gut punts? How are we doing? So um, I'm going to gloss over our gut punts from last week because they were pretty pathetic. Uh, no one got more than a couple of points. Um, but let's, let's think about this week. Um, so... To kick things off, I'll give you the ones that um, Ben and Andy have submitted. Um, so for Andy, we picked up on Tottenham earlier that some of their players are flying a bit over the radar. And he's gone for Son Hyung Min, who's who's still just under 5% ownership. Um, so slightly tricky game away at Leicester, but that's an interesting one. Um, and Ben has gone for Pepe of Arsenal. And again, you were talking about him earlier, Dunk, that um, he's... Look dangerous, but not got any points yet. So Ben's thinking that he's gonna come good for the next couple of fixtures. So what, what do you what do you two think of those two choices? I think the the Sun one is quite interesting because I just I'm amazed that he's that low owned. I know he was he was suspended for the first couple of games, but I, I thought his ownership would be much higher than that. So it makes it even more tempting to move from De Bruyne who might be rotated for Champions League and that kind of thing against a, a Watford team at home. You know, uh, he might get dropped to the bench again as, as he did against Norwich, where his son, I'm sure, is going to play almost every game um, and was on fire last season. So it's quite tempting while he's got a low ownership to maybe make that move. I, I wouldn't call it a classic gut punt, uh, picking a player who's sort of a known fantasy royalty. Uh, but 
he's managed to he's managed to get in under the rules, and so it's a it's a very clever Wiley punt to get some points up our leaderboard. And he needs them. Um, so D- Duncan, you're still chasing me down in second, and you are going for Emiliano Buendia today. L- lovely pronunciation, Gary. Um, yeah, I I mean it, I'm chasing the points slightly here, I think. Um, but I just thought he he looked like the best player on Norwich against Man City. Takes the set pieces as well. Um, kind of tough against a, a Burnley team who are pretty well drilled from set pieces. But um, creative wise, he's get picking up the assists from open play as well. Um, so yeah, I just think he's an interesting player to highlight. Quite low ownership as well, and he's in that price bracket with James, um, with Mount, and six million. Um, and yeah, he's just an interesting option, I think. Okay, good one. Um, I'm going to double down on my prediction that Man City are going to remember how to defend again. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, to help boost his morale from last week. I'm going to go for Nicholas Otamendi, um, who's only at two percent ownership, two point two percent. Which for five point four million for a, a guy who's started at pretty much every game for C- for City this season, I think that's a good price. Um, so I think he's actually probably going to go into my fantasy team, but I'm also picking him for a gut punt at home to Watford. Um, what about you, Matt? So what do you think this week? Um, so I'm going to go at the puntier end of uh, the spectrum, I think. And so I'm going to go for Miljevic um, at Crystal Palace because I've just got a feeling that Zaha's going to topple in the area and Millie's going to get his first of his 10 penalties um, this week. Um, because he's sort of a decent player that he just needs to chip up the points by, uh, by penalties and free kicks over the course of the season. Go, 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 go. Okay, you're not worried he's been found out by VAR or, or Zaha's been found out by VAR. Um, the right run. I, I think that when he goes down, he will, often has been technically fouled. I, I don't think VAR overrules those sorts of decisions. Uh, he just sort of leaves his foot in and the guys uh, can't resist just tapping it slightly. Uh, so... I think VAR won't won't stop the Zaha penalties when he uh, gets out of his sulk and starts uh, starts putting uh, putting his magic boots on again. Okay then, well you you heard it here first, uh, so I think that's that for gut punts. I'm I'm still top of the table, so hopefully Ottomendi can do the business for me this week. What about um what about our season gut punts? Okay, um so. Who who do you want to go for for the season gut punts this week? Well, I, I've got to pick between Lascelles, Townsend, and Billy Sharp. So I think um, I'm going to back back my preview, and I'm going to go for Jamal Lascelles at home to Brighton. If you're ever going to back a Newcastle defence, this is one of the times to do it. I think so. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm going to big up this rivalry then because uh, you've just slammed my Glenn Murray, and I'm going to go Murray this week. Uh, to, to smash one home and, and get rid of the Newcastle clean sheet. Okay. Um, I think I've got to go Iwobi, haven't I, at home to Sheffield United? Seems like uh, it's... I've still got a feeling that Che Adams is going to do something soon, one time, but I'll, I'll, go, for a, I'll go for Iwobi as my, uh, my gut punt. Nice one. Um. If if you don't already follow us on Twitter, give us a follow at FBLFF Fanatics. Um, get in touch with us through there if you want to get in touch with the show. 
Um, if you want to join our league, then you can find the league code on there. Um, and yeah, if you've got the time and you like the show, then please give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. We'd really appreciate it. Um, Matt, thank you for your insight this week. Cheers. Come on, Murray. Thank you for your insight, Gary. Okay. Um, wild card is locked and ready to be loaded. I'm looking forward to that next week. Um, and this week, I'm, I'm going to leave you with uh, a very entertaining speech from the Kosovo manager before the, uh, the England game, where he was discussing the Gegen press. We like to call it the Hassan Hootle hustle. But um, yeah, it's, it's a very entertaining, very emotional description of, of how he tries to get his players to, to implement this. Tactical pressing in a crazy game. It's go, Winter, go, 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 go. It's, it's not tactic. Perhaps it's not right, the right run. But it's only here. I will, I will, uh, I want to, 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 to win the ball. I want to disturb Sushi. And perhaps he lose the ball. And-